Hello, this is Margarita Monet from Edge of Paradise, and you are listening to the Metal Pit Podcast. Welcome to the Metal Pit Podcast, where we delve deep into the albums and bands that shaped metal. Please visit our website, The Metal Pit, at www.themetalpit.org, where you can find album reviews, interviews, and live show reviews. Also, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Metal Pit. And for some video interviews, some video shorts, and audio versions of this podcast, please visit our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com at the Metal Pit 666. I am your host, Blake, and tonight I have the same crew I had on our last episode where we talked about Annihilator's Alice and Hal. And so I have with me Billy, Kenneth, and Jim. How are you guys tonight? Well, we're good. Ready to go, sir. We're good. And awesome. we're still talking thrash, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. The best, best genre ever, my friend. Now, if this happens to be your first episode listening to us, please check out other many episodes. What I think we're at 31 or two or something like that now. Uh, and we've talked many classic metal albums, many thrash albums. But this is a, and this one, I guess I haven't mentioned it yet, but we're going to be talking about Testament. So this is the first Testament album we've done. Um, and we're going to learn from the album title and we're going to practice what you preach. <laughs> okay, this is 1989. This album came out first, a little bio on Testament, of course, American thrash metal band from California, formed in 1983. He used to be called Legacy, but changed the name to Testament, so they named their first album Legacy, correct? Right? I think that's right, or The Legacy. Correct. Let's see, the they have, where is that? Well, they have the current lineup today, or at least as far as I know, we still have uh, Chuck Billy, of course, on vocals, Eric Peterson on the guitar, Alex Skolnick on the guitar, bassist Steve DiGiorgio, and drummer Chris Dovas, or Dovas, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Let's see, Test just kind of like Annihilator, but not as bad. But Testament has had many lineup changes as well, but they've always had the same singer, of course. And uh, also, which one is it? Skolnick? Or Peter no, Peterson's been in it every album, I think, since the start. Correct, I think? Yes. And uh, let's see. And the original singer was, of course, Steve Zetro Souza, who went, who joined Exodus before Testament even released an album, but he did appear on their re-release album, which is called First Strike Still Deadly. And he's on two of those songs. I think he does guest vocals, I guess, on two of those songs. And I think he wrote one of these songs on this album that we're doing, at least one of them. Or I could be I could be one of my top ten songs, or I'm getting confused. <laughs> anyway. Let's uh, first, before I talk about the album, I guess, we'll ask about, well, we're going to do Practice What You Preach, what I said, 1989. When did you guys first discover Testament or maybe this album? Like, was this, this is their third album. So, uh, J uh, Jimmy, when did you first hear Testament or this album? 
Well, this album I actually bought on a school trip in Montreal, this along with the Voivod, because uh, I could I got it up there while I was uh, traveling with a school uh, my last year of high school. And uh, I had the legacy already. And I mean, this was probably, you know, the one that had me go back and, and buy the new order, which which was which is another awesome album. Uh, you know, this is it's a great album. I mean, this is a I think it was in my top 10 I did. I think it was somewhere in there. And I mean, it's a it's a phenomenal album. It's a great I, a lot of people compare it to like a thrashy version of what made them popular, kind of like the Black Album from Metallica. But this one's much better, in my opinion. But that's when I first listened to them was there. Um, uh, Billy, how about you? Yeah, I was probably um, I, I'm going to guess just after uh, the new order came out. So it was before uh, Practice What You Preach. Uh, Practice What You Preach is the uh, first time I saw them live. Uh, but yeah, so I, I would say I discovered Testament uh, in between those two albums, uh, two fantastic albums. And Ken, what about you? Um, yeah, this uh, Practice is the first album that I actually bought. Um, I bought it uh, the first week it came out. And I, I know this because the a week later in August, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5 came out, The Dream Child. And I was such a huge like horror fan and i was just at that point in time getting ready to go to college uh, art, art school and uh, i love the album cover and i saw it it, it just it, it captured my attention and i bought it right away so it's um came out just at the time when i was really into like horror metal at the same time so yeah it was my my big um i mean i'd heard of i'd heard of the legacy i'd heard of um the new order but this is the first album i actually bought and then, uh, of course, I went back and bought the first two, like, not long after that. And for me, I did get the first album. Well, so I guess I've been listening to it since the first their first album. But I can't really recall why. Like, But it was 1987. I was already into Metallic and stuff before that. So, I guess I can't really recall if I just heard here's another thrash band or if I heard a song, I can't remember, recall that, but I definitely looking at the song list of the first album. I definitely know I used to listen to that one a lot, like with the haunting and curse of the legions of death and all those songs. So yes, I've been there since the start. And of course I, I would have bought everything since I'm pretty much, I think. So practice what you preach, as I said, is a third studio album released in August 1989 via Atlantic and Megaforce Records. Now, uh, this album, yeah, it was a breakthrough kind of, but a lot of the some fans didn't like it, you know, because there's a ballad on this album, which happens to be called The Ballad. <laughs> that's kind of what you're saying, Bill, or Jim, about, you know, Metallica's Black album, even though Metallica had a ballad before that. But I mean, you know, it's, this is kind of where their fans got some fans. I don't think that many because they still stayed heavy throughout, well, till today. They're still heavy, I guess, and still thrashy. And they even kind of got a little death, but we can probably talk about that later. Um. Now, the funny thing, because, you know, sometimes they do that set list thing about how many times they played it live. I'm not going to get into all that. But I did read that they don't play these songs live very much, except Practice What You Preach. They play a lot. They've played that almost a thousand times. But, uh, oops, that's not what I went. But some of these uh, or some of these songs 
they haven't even played them like 50 times live. And it's kind of strange because you'd think, uh, you think playing going on that tour, they would have played them more than that many times. So it's kind of weird. Yeah, I can certainly, uh, uh, based on my experience, I've seen Testament, uh, I'm going to say 33, 34 times over the years. (laughs) Uh, And most of these songs are not played. Like, I think a couple were played on the tour for this album, like back when they were with Annihilator. Um, But yeah, but, you know, practice what you preach is a staple. It's there, like, almost every single show. Yes. But and rarely is the rest of this stuff played uh, in the last sort of decade, for sure. Probably longer. Yeah, it shows like Sins of Omission has been played 191 times, Greenhouse Effect 71, and the rest is under 50. Even yeah, the ballad, I thought the ballad might have been something they would have played a lot since it was oh, new no for way. them. Yeah, no, they've, they've only played that 35 times, it says. And one of the songs is probably the instrumental they've never played live. Yeah, 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 they never played it live. Yeah. 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 Wow. 35 times. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just on the last tour, I got to see them three times. Uh, <laughs> just because, you know, when I was living in the US, I was able to see them in Philly, New York, and Baltimore, which are all like an hour train ride from where I live. So it's easy <laughs> to do that. Okay. So the lineup on this album was, of course, Chuck Billy on vocals. Uh, the same guitarist as we have now, right? Eric Peterson and Alex Skolnick. And on bass was Greg Christian. And the drummer was Louis Clementi. And that name sounds like a baseball player to me, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's. I guess we can just get on to the songs then. So let's start with, of course, the title track is the first song, Practice What You Preach. Uh, Billy then. Yeah, so so I, I think I mentioned it, right? Like, this is really uh, a staple of the live show. Like, it's just a great track to uh, to sing along with. Um, the audience always loves it. You know, uh, Chuck, you know, does his practice when you preach, and certainly the audience shouts uh, preach back. It, it's always uh, a great, uh, memorable part of every concert. But again, this this song, like many of the other tracks, uh, definitely have evolved versus the first two albums. Uh, we, we get, um, you know, more melody, far more hooks. Uh, we still get thrash and, and there's still intensity. Uh, but I, I guess I view it as just, uh, you know, they just continue to mature uh, in the songwriting. And so j- just amazing stuff and, and a super call out to uh, uh, the guitar solo that kicks in in this song at about the two minute mark. And, and it practically goes to the four-minute uh, point of the song. Uh, Alex's solos are, are just fantastic in this song. Uh, Eric sort of uh, hooky riff to the chorus. Um, you know, just a brilliant song. I love it. Uh, one of the best on the album, uh, in my opinion. And, uh, uh, sorry, Jim, sorry. Yeah, just to kind of go on that. I mean, this has got a perfect spot on the album. Like Billy said there, it's just, it's probably, I would say, it's probably one of the most popular kind of mainstream. It was played in such heavy rotation on uh, MTV and much music. Um, you know, definitely it's a great track. I mean, it, it just, uh, you know, again, where it is on the album, it just lights it up. And uh, I think it's awesome. And I mean, you know, this album, 
you know, this was their, I think their first album that cracked Billboard 200 at like number 77. And it stayed there for like 12 weeks on, uh, you know, to, to hit that. I, so that's a big accomplishment. And I agree with Billy where the songwriting and actually the production went from the legacy kind of went a step up, uh, you know, on the next album, The New Order. And then on this, they really kind of hit the ground running with it for sure. Great, great track. One of my favorite tracks too. Probably, maybe my top three on this album. It's awesome. And uh, Kenneth, anything to add on "Practice What You Preach"? Yeah, it's um. You have to realize that this is the first song, um, that kind of veers the band away from what they had started out with on the first two. So obviously, you know, the this whole album is dripping with like political, political thoughts um, about society. And this is the first song that does that. So it's taken from scripture. So of course, you know, practice what you preach, uh, and don't don't contra don't be doing something that's contradictory. So it's yeah, it's, it's definitely a strong song. I would agree that uh, yeah, it's pro uh, this album is one of the stronger songs on the album itself. And yeah, it's one of my favorite. I'm not going to add much about the songs probably again since we have four people. But yes, this is probably my favorite song on this album. And by the way, at the end of the, when we get this uh, pot at the end of this podcast, we're going to do our top 10 Testament songs of all time. And so we'll see if any of these songs appear on people's top 10 list. Anyway, next song is perilous nation. How about uh, Billy then? Uh, yeah. So just uh, again, I, I would say uh, more of the maturity uh, that we saw coming off of practice what you preach uh really like the cool uh bass intro by greg uh greg doesn't get a lot of uh standout uh, moments on the album uh or in the band i would say uh when he was there but you know that that's a cool part uh really like uh chuck's vocals on this one uh you know very addictive he shows a wide range again uh, a good mix of melodic clean singing and more aggressive uh thrash the music obviously following uh a similar approach um yeah just another good mature song uh, i wouldn't say i like it as much as practice what you preach but just a good uh uh good strong song on the album and again reflecting the maturity uh the band's at on this third album and Kenneth? Um, yeah, the song is, yeah, I like this song a lot too. Um, for me, it, again, this is like a new thing for the band, especially for Chuck Billy to start writing about the idea of uh, totalitarianism and warning you of it. And also warning you of the idea of like at least championing the idea of having free speech, um, you know, and also don't, don't follow, follow leaders who will lead you astray. So in terms of lyrically for me, I like the song a lot. It's it, again, it's a it's a nice follow up to practice in my mind. And I know they have played this. I did read that they do play this song often, um, not as often as they should, but um, um, it is a song that that follows nicely right after practice. And Jim, yeah, I think the position on the album is great. You have that bass intro that starts up like uh, Billy said, and I. I agree with, you know, Kenneth has, hits it spot on. I mean, the first two albums, especially the first album, was heavily focused on more of the mm -hmm. occult. This is definitely going in a different a different way for their writing. And, uh, you know, 
and definitely, obviously, it, it worked out for them. Uh, you know, those crunchy guitars are great. I mean, it's got a great guitar solo in it, and the riff is just really catchy. It's it's not one of my favorites on here, but it's it's a great song. Definitely uh, a good second song to head into the next song for sure. And yeah, with as with you guys talking about these first two songs, it's still heavy and it's still thrashy. It's just a little yeah. slower, kind of like what Metallica yeah. did, but they didn't. Well, their Metallica's fifth album isn't thrashy really, but it's slower, but it's still heavy at times. But because uh, this is their third, this is their third album in three years, so it's kind of funny how they did change the sound, even though they made the album so quickly one after the other. But anyway, then we go to song number three, Envy Life. And I'll start with Kenneth, since you know something about the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the song, yeah, the, uh, um, the song basically starts out with a really good growl, which I which I think really sets the tone for the song. It's heavy as fuck for, for right off the get-go. Um, and basically, as I was saying before our podcast started, um, it's it's about a warning about invoking spirits that would lead you astray. So it's like the opposite of anything that the you would have heard on album one and album number two. Um, so basically, it just warns you about making packs with super with the supernatural with any supernatural entity. Um, for me, but as a song itself, it's it's a great song. I love it. I love it in the order. Um, it's catchy as hell. Um, very very heavy, and uh, I like it at the number three spot for me. And uh, Jim, yeah, it's a it's a great song. This is my second favorite on the uh, on the album. I mean, it's it's great vocals. Has kind of that you know that kind of you can compare it a little bit to maybe a Hetfield sort of verse to it, where it just you know he gets into that envy life, and it just sounds so cool. I mean, it's a it's a great thrash song, and you know I believe it was one of the singles released um at the time so i mean it got this got a lot of airplay as well and i thought you know for a song to be you know the first three songs on this album like you said are still thrashy compared to maybe well, not necessarily by 89 but going into the 90s and that's what i love about testament i'm sure we'll talk about this later is that they kept kind of the same sort of thrash formula as albums from album to album and i really like that there isn't a ton of compromise there necessarily and this this is definitely evidence of that you can be thrashy and you can be popular at the same time and billy yeah probably for me this ranks a bit more in the middle uh i do find it a bit interesting in the song we actually do get a early death growl from chuck on this uh, tune uh that comes through so maybe an early sign uh, what he was thinking a few albums down the road um but probably if i have a pet peeve i don't remember if it's the chorus or the lead up to the chorus but like one thing that just hasn't aged well for me uh, is sort of the backing vocals where they sort of shout the whoa, oh, and then, you know, that keeps coming up. Like, I don't know. I, I find that a little bit cheesy and, and I don't think it, it's aged well, but, uh, you know, maybe a minor complaint. And uh, like, I also don't think uh, Alex is solo. Um probably a little underwhelming relative to what he's done on many of the other tracks on this album. So for me, it's kind of middle of the pack, to be honest. Yes. I like his little death growl or whatever you want to call it when he does the yeah. end of life part. Yes. 
Now, the next one, I don't know about you guys, but I think my life has gone to hell, as we're going to talk about. <laughs> Time is Coming, which is actually one of my favorite songs on this, but I'll let Jimmy talk about this one. Oh, man, yeah, this is in the top half of the album for sure, and I find it severely underrated. I like it. I mean, that verse that the time is coming where they just continue hitting it over and over again, it's great. This is fast, and, I mean, it's just, it's got some absolute killer guitar riffs in it. I, I, I like it a lot. It's in my top half of the album, and uh, I just, I think it's a bit underrated, and I'm sure, you know, I've only seen Testament twice, um, you know, but Obviously, I would have loved to seen this play, and I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure they, they didn't play this the song at either of those shows. And uh, let's go, Billy, next. Yeah, I agree with Jim. I, I would probably rank it higher. It's the top three for me. Um, I love the track. I mean, this is just right in the wheelhouse of the uh, Testament's songwriting for this album, right? Thrashy uh but still melodic and catchy as hell i mean that chorus is like a like a total earworm like it, it sticks with you uh when you hear it and you know it's one of those tracks that still kind of gets me headbanging to this day when i'm uh listening to it so yeah i love it i think it's great and also i'd call out louis uh drum work on this one uh this and bless and contempt i i think are his two uh standout drumming tracks uh on the album but yeah, time is coming. Top three track for me. And did everybody say something? Yes, I did. Sorry. <laughs> so I'm getting confused with three people here as my guests. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I also like the chorus on time is coming because yeah. yes, it is catchy and it's kind of funny. You think a thrash metal band is catchy chorus, but yeah, it is, even though it's not saying like that then we go to blessed in contempt i don't have oh, anything about this wait, one can, so. I just, can i just say something about oh. it because yes um again i go back to the lyrics because i always like listening to lyrics and songs um chuck wrote this song himself and basically it's about his frustrations about society so he wanted to make some observations about uh how there was corruption in the police force and how cops were taking bribes how <laughs> Uh, the idea of taxes, how the country was heavily taxed at the time. And so he wanted to uh, bring to light a lot of stuff like that on the song from what I read and what I what I know of the song. OK, sorry, I forgot you didn't speak about the song yet, Ken. Yeah, no worries. No, no problem. <laughs> OK, then we go to Blessed in Contempt and I'll start with Billy on this track. Yeah, so so here we're getting into uh, you know time is coming, bless and contempt, and the title track are, are my three favorite by far on the album. Uh, you know, this reminds me more of the first two albums, uh, a little bit more, probably the most intense song, uh, more of a full on thrash uh, attack. Uh, Chuck is uh, Chuck's vocals are outstanding here. Uh, heavy and aggressive and you know I think I mentioned it Louis uh, this is probably his heaviest drumming on the album um, you know what you know, we keep saying it but you know the the hooks uh, within this thrash uh, style of writing are just fantastic uh, and just more brilliant uh, Alex and Eric uh, guitar work so for me easy top three song on the album and Kenneth yeah, um, the one thing I liked about this song mostly is is the vocals, and you, it's almost 
and un it's very eerily uncanny that he sounds a lot like James. There's a little bit of a snarl here, and that's the same kind of snarl that James had on a lot of the earlier Metallica records. So you get it here, which I like. So it really amplifies the the whole kind of um, vibe of the song itself. And Billy also wrote this song as well. So again, it's more about uh, his personal struggles, or at least I'm not sure if it's his struggles, but the idea of struggles of darkness, of people who um, veer to the dark side. Um, so yeah, it's an, it's another song that I think comes across really well, just based on I, I maybe maybe he's wrote something mm -hmm. about his past or someone he he knows. Um, but I I always like this song. I, I the vocals especially for me. And Jim. Oh, this is my favorite song on the album. And I mean, uh, it's one of my favorite thrash songs. So it'll probably maybe, I don't want to give it away, but maybe make my top 10. But I mean, it's 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 mm -hmm. awesome. This is what Testament is all about. I mean, you got halfway kind of, you're halfway through the album and then you just hit with this, this buster that just smashes right in. I mean, it's fast. It's just wicked. And the drums on it are, are great. I mean, that just pounds right through you. It's a great song. And, and like I say, this is the calling card of Testament. So like, as we compare this kind of every tends to compare it to the Black Album, you know, the Black Album doesn't have anything like this on it or like many of the other songs that are before. Yeah, there's some that are a little bit slower in that, but they still keep to that same, same formula. And this song just blows that away. And I, I really, really like it. So I think for casual fans at the time, maybe who, who are thinking, you know, they bought it for maybe the top, couple of singles on it or even the ballad um you know this would be just something they kind of got in there to just really kind of get you hooked into maybe the first two albums and and that's i, I think it's super smart and i think it's uh, great to always include stuff like this regardless of which way you go and you know and testament does have definitely going down the line in a few more years a, a, a lot more heavier kind of maybe darker album so this is really, really cool. And I was also thinking when I was re-listening to this album, I was hearing like some James Hetfield in his vocals too. So I was glad you said that, Kenneth. So mm -hmm. that I do think I do know something, I guess. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> or at least we know something. <laughs> and the next track is Greenhouse Effect. And this, of course, is about the environment, something they wouldn't sing about in the first two albums, which they kind of mentioned with one of the other songs. So, uh, Jim, I'll you start with Greenhouse Effect. Yeah, this is a great song. Another one that that is popular. I mean, I think this was one of maybe the second single that was released, I believe. Uh, you know, really, really good song. Uh, you know, it's about environmental holocaust. So I, I, I like it a lot. I mean, great guitar, just a great, strong song. And, and again, when they place these songs on the album, this, this is another one that's got a great spot. And I mean, you know, I, I, I wouldn't coming up to, to track six here, greenhouse effect, I wouldn't move anything around so far. It's, it's, I kind of, you've got the singles in there. You've got the heavy hitters right off the bat and you're kind of passing through the middle of the album. Now it's got a great spot on there. Uh, Kenneth. Yeah. Um, the song is really, really strong as well. Um, I think this is a song that shines for Alex because I know he uh, he wrote the lyrics and he wrote the music, so he really uh, gets gets to be the spotlight on the song. And the one thing about this album that I've I've noticed is that on certain songs you can see where the each individual musician kind of shines. And I think Greenhouse is a song that, I, for me, uh, Alex shines the most. 
Although it's funny, I always thought that maybe um, Chuck would have written this song because it seems like he, all the songs that he's written on this album are all like a lot of political and societal uh, observations. But Alex does does a really good job on this song. I think the riffs are great. Um, this is a really good song overall. And Billy? Yeah, I think the guy sort of covered it. Maybe just a, a, a slight tangent observation. But I guess uh, environmental songs in Thrash were uh, a bit of a thing in 1989 because I guess you had Nuclear Assault uh, on uh, Handle With Care uh, the same year with their Critical Mass, uh, another sort of environment-type track in Thrash, so environmental uh, track. So, yeah, it, it was uh, uh, obviously within the minds of a few uh, Thrash bands in 1989. And, and with that song and with the next one, I just wrote down for myself, they're still good songs, but they're just not my, I don't know, they don't really do anything really special for me, which we'll probably find out when we when I read the album, because this isn't my favorite Testament album. <laughs> but it's not like I don't like it, I still like it, I'm just saying it's not up at the top of my Testament albums. But then we go to Sins of Omission, and uh, Kenneth, what about this one? Yeah, this is their first like big attempt at Christianity, so they wanted to take a knock to it. Um, obviously, uh, Sins of Omission um, refers to the idea that, um, you know, you're, the idea that you're committing to a sin, like you or you spot a sin or you see something of a sin that you, you would see, but don't do anything about it. So that's where they act. They act because you don't act upon doing anything about that sin or trying to stop it. Then you commit that sin. Um, I know this. I know it. I sort of know where it's taken from James uh, uh, 417. Is where they took it from so again it's yeah it's interesting that now they're veering from society and and politics and going into religion so it's yeah i guess it goes hand in hand for all the lyrical content on this album in general and it's great because uh you know there's a the, the lead off is really good the riffs are great um billy's fantastic on on the song as well um i also like the uh, trade-off in solos with both uh alex and uh and Skol you know peterson and skolnick they do a really good job on this song like everyone seems to be all firing and like in all cylinders here and billy yeah, I actually had many of the same points uh, on this song. I would probably be, probably place it in the top four uh, on the album. I've always been a, a big fan of this one. Uh, I do believe they played this uh, the first time I saw the band. Uh, holds up still well today in uh, 2023. Um, so yeah, I think it's I think it's a great song, and uh, once again, like we've said many times, just uh, a good example of uh, the more mature songwriting and, and mixing the thrash with more melody and hooks. Uh, great one, love it. And Jim, yeah, I agree with what the guys have said. I mean, I think this is the one of the heaviest tracks on the album, and and again, like Billy just said, was with their maturity, with their songwriting, and how the albums developed from one to this third one, uh, you can see definitely a change. And you know, not much else to say. I mean, they've pretty much covered everything on this one. It's a great, it's a great track, great track. 
and now as I've kind of mentioned this before, but for people who love ballads, they had to make sure they put on a ballad and then they called it the ballad. <laughs> and I'm sure if Metallica didn't do, I don't know. I know Metallica had some earlier ballads like fade to black or semi ballads or whatever, but I kind of think one kind of made it bands and thrash say, well, it's okay to have a ballad or again, a semi ballad, whatever you want to call it. But <laughs> so uh, where am I starting? Billy, what do you think of the ballad? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I, I gotta be honest, uh, hands down my least favorite uh, song <laughs> on the album. And uh, I, I'm not a, a ballad hater. Uh, I, I mean, I think of some, you know, thrash bands in the same time, you know, Death Angel and, and their pure ballad, A Room uh, a room with a View, love that song. So, so I don't hate ballads. And uh, <laughs> Chuck Billy is probably my favorite live singer of all time. But I, I just don't think his voice matches ballad style singing. Uh, it does nothing for me. I, I, I completely dislike it. Um, but you know, that said, you know, there, there are some cool, uh, guitar parts. Alex has that cool, uh, acoustic intro and, uh, you know, more melodic solo that comes, but I do like that it does build heavier, uh, and more intense towards the last sort of two minutes, but at the longest song in the album, uh, it just, I don't know, just doesn't work for me. I'm not a fan. <laughs> Kenneth? <laughs> Yeah, um, I like the the acoustic opening is good. Um, I know I was reading that some fans have looked at this album or looked at this song in particular um, on two fronts. That is a it's a breakup song, so it's a song about breaking up. And then some are even saying that well, it could be a little bit about looking at suicide or attempting or thinking about suicide. So that's kind of interesting. It's not my favorite song either. I don't hate it. Um, it's it's all right for 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 what it is um yeah i think where it shines for me is the uh, the acoustic beginning i like a lot um for me billy this is a song that i at least the lyrics are trying to tell you that it's very emotional but billy doesn't really come across it's not billy's strong suit Let, let's just put that way so what what uh what billy said was right like chuck doesn't come across the way that he should but uh, it's an okay song. I wouldn't, it's not in my top five or anything on this album either. Jim, do you hate it too? <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of this. I mean, as much as I respect Testament and Chuck Billy, I just don't think it's, it's not his, it's not in his wheelhouse. It's just, I think this was sort of, a, unfortunately for me, you know, maybe a try at something like a fade to black, but fade to black is just, I mean, it just kills. It's awesome. But, mm -hmm. and I don't even count that a, technically as a ballad. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. or, or even, you know, but like, I, it just doesn't do anything for me. I mean, I, I get it. It's a sensitive song and Hey, I can be a sensitive guy, but this just, <laughs> I mean, you know, it just, it just doesn't hit it for me. And again, the acoustic sounds great as Kenneth said. And I think that maybe, I don't know. They maybe just should have just made it a heavier song and just <laughs> went with a, another thrash song. And I, I don't mean to cop out. Hey, you know, and I, I, I think, uh, you know, Billy made some good points there with Death Angel and that you can pull it up. But I just don't think his voice, his voice can do it. And I don't think it's made for that. And it, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's one I, I definitely when it comes on, I mean, 
whatever. I, I don't, I don't necessarily listen to it. I maybe be a skip over for me. And usually I'm pretty complimentary of everything, but eh, it's, it's just not my <laughs> cup of tea. Okay. Well, this is funny because right. I'm going to disagree with all three of you. Because <laughs> <Well, laughs> well. actually I was listening to a few, they don't have a lot of ballads, I guess, on the other albums. There is one other one that's going to appear in my top 10 list, but it's not this one. Because usually I don't like ballads. Like we talked about Annihilator last time, and yeah. they have all those sappy ballads, and I hate those, <laughs> most of them anyway. But I kind of, I, I like Chuck Billy's voice on the ballads. Maybe not this one, but the other one that I'm going to mention later. So I thought he kind of had a good voice for ballads, but I guess you guys totally disagree with me on that. But <laughs> but that doesn't matter because we're always going to disagree on that. But it's not like it's my favorite song on the album, but I don't mind it. I probably don't skip it if I'm listening to the album. I don't mind it like you guys do, I guess. <laughs> and so, the thing so you said about suicide, I did write down the line. I'm do I don't mind doing the time. I'm I am happier being alive. That yeah, those two lines yeah, right there yeah. kind of made me think that it's about suicide too. About he doesn't want to commit suicide because he'd rather be alive. I don't know if that's where you kind of got it from too. Yeah, that's what I got out of it as well. Okay. Oh, then Blake. we go to uh or did you want to add something there jim yeah just blake so you're not a motley crew home sweet home guy curl <laughs> up and, and just uh, you know <laughs> but well i don't mind home sweet home because it's on it's uh I, I just watch uh hot tub uh that hot tub movie where the guy oh, does home sweet hot home tub time and, machine you know yeah, yeah hot tub uh, time yeah. machine yeah <laughs> but no i wouldn't say i like some motley crew songs but it, home sweet home isn't my favorite <laughs> Anyway, then we go to the shortest song, but probably maybe the fastest one. We'll see if you guys agree. Nightmare. It's only two minutes and 20 seconds. This probably should have been on Rain and Blood or something. But uh, <laughs> it's so short. But we'll start with Kenneth then on Nightmare. Yeah, this is where Skolnick shines again. Um, the riffs are great. I, I think they're fresh. They're strong. Um, yeah, basically, it's just a song about re recurring nightmare. And uh, yeah, it's a great song. I like it. it it's perfectly timed for two minutes it doesn't need to be any longer or shorter and uh yeah this this is a great song and uh jim well after waking up from the ballad i mean this is just an <laughs> awesome song i agree with you i wrote down in my notes that it kind of has a slayer feel to it because it's so short and i mean i think it could fit on any one of those out it's it's a great song great song so now you're you're awake, you're going for it, you're hitting the end of the album. I think it's got a perfect place on the album. <laughs> and Billy? <laughs> yeah, I think the first thing I had in my note is, uh, thank God it picked up after the dreadful ballad. <laughs> uh, just that, that's exactly the same as, uh, as Jim there. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. no, so, so good fast track uh, stands out to me. I mean, it's only two minutes, so you yeah, obviously it's not evolving as some of the uh, four and five minute tracks uh, elsewhere on the album. I do get a, a little bit of a, a punk feel in a small way to the song, but hands down for me, the song uh, what sells it is uh, is Skolnick's uh, soloing, as Ken yeah. said. That's a standout for me, uh, for sure. Yes, and then we finish with a instrumental called Confusion Fusion. And uh, Jim, what do you think of the instrumental? I guess we'll talk about I, the instrumental this time. 
I think it's good. And I think they should have, I would have loved it if this was like a, an actual, they would have added, added definitely singing to it. I think uh, they should have upped the game and just went for it. I mean, it, it, it's a great, great track. Uh, you know, it's got a killer baseline again in it. And I mean, I, I like it. I like the track and, uh, but I, I kind of wish it would have been throw Chuck Billy's, you know, maybe make the ballad just the instrumental and maybe a minute 30 long. That's how I would have switched. <laughs> Okay, Billy. <clears throat> yeah, so, so I enjoy it as uh, as an instrumental. Always liked them. Uh, you know, I, I find it even funky and jazzy at times, which is uh, again right in uh, Alex's uh, wheelhouse. Giving he has his own jazz band. Um, so yeah, so all that all that's good. Um, I guess for me, like, I'll go back to the four of us this time last week talking about Annihilator and the last track on the album, uh, Human Insecticide and Going Out with a Bang, uh, and sort of an intense song. So for me, this is a bit of a disappointment. I, I like it, but stick it up in the middle and bring me uh, either Nightmare to end this thing or, or, or bring me a Blessed in Contempt as the ending song. But to end it with an so uh, instrumental song, um ah that that throws me off a bit like it's not i don't think it's in a good spot to end a thrash album uh, but just just my opinion and kenneth yeah what billy said is right i mean it, it's i i like the song might as well but where it's placed especially you get this really fast song and nightmare and then you get this so it's a, it's a little bit of a letdown um it's playful it, it oddly enough it i it, does kind of remind me a bit of Annihilator song just because it's all over the map. Uh, there's a little bit of jazz fusion. There's a little bit of like, it's funky at times is what Billy was saying earlier. Um, the other thing for me that I like, I do like about the song is I love uh, Louis Clemente's drums on this because I find that his drumming style here, he really controls the pace, especially because you got, you know, Greg on, on bass and you've got both uh, Peterson and, um, and Skolnick trading off on riffs. So it, it's it's in terms of the way the strong the song is structured it's good it, it's a good song but as the ending song yeah it, it may not be the best way to end off the album and yeah if you guys didn't bring that up i was gonna say don't you find it odd that they put an instrumental at the end of the album so oh. we've already discussed yeah. that so i guess i don't have to bring it up but yeah i think nightmare would have better would have been a better last song just like billy said so that's the album, and we're going to rate it. And now, since you guys all hate the ballad, I, I can't see anybody giving it a 10 then. But anyway, I'm going to give it an 8. I'm going to go first. I gave it the same. I gave Annihilators, Alice and Hell an 8. I'm giving this one an 8, too. Uh, Billy, what would you give it out of 10, then? Yeah, I'll go 8.5. Uh, again, just on the strength of the good songs are so good. Uh, but yeah, it, it can't be a 10 with the ballad and some <laughs> of the positioning of uh, the final three tracks just kind of lets the album down a bit for me. And uh, Kenneth, what do you give it? <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to give it a nine. I would agree I, what Billy just had mentioned. Yeah, the, the, the last three songs is, yeah, it does bring it down a little bit. It's it's a good album. A lot of really, really good songs for me, like songs that are going to be in my top 10. Um, for sure, but uh, yeah, I I would think the last three songs is eh, it brings that that score down from a ten to a nine for me, personally. And Jim, what do you give it? 
I agree. It's uh, this is the first time I'm going to give an album not a ten, so it's a nine for me too. And I agree with what the guys said. I mean, the first two albums in my mind are tens. This is popular, and I'm so glad that this album they they kind of broke through to a different, more vast audience. Um, maybe even compare it to when Slayer did Seasons and kind of broke in a little bit more and had kind of videos and stuff like that. Um, you know, and maybe maybe went a little bit more as mainstream as like a this or a Slayer could do. Mm-hmm. This is what I think the blueprint for what the Black Album should have been. And I, I hate picking on the Black Album. And don't get me wrong, I like it. It's just, it, it was a real letdown. This is the type of album that that probably should have been. But I agree with the guys, the ballad really kind of shoots at the foot for me to keep it from becoming a 10. And yeah, definitely the last uh, track being a... Uh, a uh, uh, an instrumental and not having a real just ball buster right at the end, you know, because you love it when you finish an album and you just it leaves you wanting more because you hit that. It does kind of give it a little bit of a lukewarm feeling at the end for sure. Okay, and I did. I was going to mention. I guess I didn't mention this before because the bio, but we can talk about this now because we we're going to talk about the rest of their. They have 13 studio albums, and I believe they're working on a 14th studio album, as far as I can tell. And But one of those studio albums, First Strike Still Deadly, was just re-recordings of songs from their first two albums, including what I mentioned about Sousa appearing on two of them. Uh, also, in, when I was reading about this, we, we kind of talked about this before, about if we wanted to debate the big four thing with Metallica, Slayer, Megadeth, and anthrax and then this site that i was reading said they thought they were part of the big eight like if there was eight and they mentioned exodus overkill death angel and testament so do you guys want to comment on that or maybe comment on what your favorite testament album is if this isn't it or whatever you want to do here can you go first maybe um okay well this is my favorite testament album um for me it's the it's the one I identified mostly back in the eighties um, from, from one that I really enjoyed um, as part of the, being the big four. I mean, I don't know about the top, the, the top eight for sure. I mean, the big four in this, they should definitely have been included in, in the, um, the top, like, like a top four or top five thrash metal bands based on the fact that you had Skolnick, you had Peterson, um, Billy is an amazing vocalist. Even though he even had cancer and, and and survived that and still sounds amazing, um, in terms of all the thrash bands, he might still be the strongest vocalist currently in thrash for a guy his age and still able to belt to belt out those tunes. Um, and again, like Skolnick is such a great great guitar player, and he, and Peterson doesn't get enough, enough credit because he's he's over the map too. He's got his um his sort of black metal band on the side. Um, it's just, it's just that, uh, yeah. To me, they should easily, easily be part of the big four. It should be the big five, at least, and maybe the big six. I would include Exodus. For me, I think those top six bands uh, really much made the genre the genre. Like they really gave it. They're the hallmarks of the of the genre itself. And uh, Jimmy, what do you want to say? Yeah, I think the you know the the big eight is a big big part. I mean, that's a huge. I mean, that's that's a big chunk of 
of uh, the foundation of, of thrash and, and these bands. And, you know, would I move it into the top four? Out of respect for the four bands that are there, no, because each one brings something different to the first four, but definitely in the top eight. And that top eight is, you know, my top eight favorites. Where I would put them is probably maybe... I don't know. I'm a huge Death Angel fan, huge Exodus and Overkill fan. So I, I battle with where I would put them in there. But for consistency, definitely in the fifth spot, probably. I find, you know, maybe them, but you could say the same thing about maybe about Overkill and about them all, I guess. But, you know, and, and as far as my favorite album, my favorite album is the first, uh, The Legacy, and then The New Order. I go back and forth. I, I really like kind of the the rawness of uh, the legacy. And I like that in first albums, like Kill 'Em All is my favorite metallic album. And a lot of people kind of, ah, what do you, what do you mean rides way better? And it, it sounds better. Yeah, but I, I kind of like that sort of raw start. They're hungry, they're in there. But I mean, Practice is one of their top albums for me. I also like their newer stuff too. I mean, I think they just, they've gotten stronger and, and demonic. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of Testament fans didn't like demonic. Uh, it's got that real uh you know death metal edge to it i really like it and i mentioned it on the podcast last week i thought it would have been really cool where you know annihilator went through kind of uh like a little bit of a few albums that were you know in the 90s i think it was where they were a little bit different i would have liked them to make a really good stab at maybe doing a, a death metal project like a real full full album on that and and uh but no that that's what i think about it i i think definitely in the top eight and you can make arguments you know slayers not around anymore they've retired so and you look at it from maybe metallica's newer albums are definitely not as consistent of where they started from so but i think the top four i'd leave it the same only out of respect for them that's the way i feel and uh billy <clears throat> Yeah, so uh, uh, favorite album for me, hands down, New Order. That's an easy choice for me. Uh, when it comes to the big four, big eight, uh, it's it, it's a tough one. And we could probably do a whole podcast uh, <laughs> thinking through that. I mean, the whole concept of big four, big eight is uh is maybe more you know because it's all u.s focused right so where you're eliminating the big four german band so i would easily put creator ahead of most of that big eight um sure. you're leaving out you know so, you know early like sepultura uh which is just brilliant and you know in my view takes out some of the big four so so it's very much an americanized view which i think uh is maybe not the best way to look at it but, you know, uh, I guess the way I like to look at it is looking now, 2023, and look at the careers of the bands. Uh, and I hear what Jim's saying, the respect for the big four, and I get that. And the big four may be in sales, who sold the most albums in the 80s. But one thing I'll say about Testament, you know, if you look at consistency from beginning to end, uh, I don't care. Take the big four as it's known and look at their total career of music. Nobody's as consistent as Testament uh, and nobody's putting out as good music as they are today. Uh, I, this long. Uh, so I think that has to be acknowledged. And if you're going to look back at the history of the band and the legacy and the discography, 
in my view, I don't see how Testament can't be in the big four because those big four have many missteps and Testament has one or two, but definitely not to the same degree. So uh, if I look at it from that angle, Testament should be the big four, just if you're going to focus on American bands. But even going back to the big four, like who made the big four? Like, <laughs> like they did. Well, <laughs> no, but I mean, did Metallica, wasn't Metallica, didn't they, didn't Metallica pick those bands out and say, let's go on a tour together. So they just called yeah, it the big four. Yeah, they're they not did. necessarily saying it's the best four and thrash. I don't know. Maybe they are, but maybe they asked Testament, but they were busy doing a tour somewhere else. So they went, okay, well, we better get Anthrax in and we better make up with Dave and have Megadeth come with us or something. I don't know. I don't really know. But if it was my choice for the big four, I would get rid of, I would only keep Metallica from the original four <laughs> and I would have <laughs> Testament overkill and Exodus on instead. Cause I like those three bands better than the other three bands, but you know, that's personal choice, right? That's what, yeah. that's why we're talking about all this stuff. And yeah. And for me, for the albums, like I like the first two albums better than practice what you preach. And I also like low album a lot, but I think my favorite album is actually dark roots of earth of the yeah, earth good like, choice. in Great 2012. Album. Cause I really That's like that one. Of my one. Ones too. Yes. Yeah. Cause yes, they're still making good albums today or like the last one was 2020. And like I say, I think they're making another one this year. Okay, so now we're going to go to our top 10 Testament songs. And this wasn't very easy. And I didn't even get to listen to all of the albums to refresh my memory. But I think I got a good list here. But who are we going to start with? How about Ken? You want to give your top 10 sure. Testament songs? Yeah, like yourself, like I didn't go back and listen to a lot of all the other albums either. But um, this is what I, I feel today. I mean, I, it could change tomorrow. But as yeah. of today, during this podcast this is what i'm going with so uh number 10 i'm going with native blood because dark reserve is an amazing album i saw that that tour live with anthrax it's such a great great show um i i think billy kicks it on on that song a lot um of course because of his native native american uh, roots background uh number nine i'm gonna go with dog face gods um i'd like low that that song is actually pretty decent for 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 me uh, number eight, I'm going with Rise Up, another great song from that from Dark Roots of the Earth. Uh, and then at number, 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 uh, sorry, so seven, yeah, right. So numbers, number seven, I'm going to go with More Than Meets the Eye. Um, I do like that song too. That was kind of the start of the return of the band from back in the uh, late 90s, the early 2000s. And of course, Skolnick returned to play guitar. That song I really, really like. It's kind of catchy for me. Uh, at at number number six, I'm putting Blessed uh, Contempt, which again we've talked about earlier. It's just a, a great, great killer song. Number five, I'm putting Practice What You Preach. I, I love that song quite a bit. Uh, then at number four, I'm going with Over the Wall, another song that I really, really like from the from the earlier days of the band. Uh, and then number three, Into the Pit, which is one of my was one of my favorite uh, testament songs. It's 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 a killer tune from start to finish. I, I'm going to put Envy Life at number two, uh, just based on the fact that I've had a chance to re-listen to the album again the last few days, and and, and the strong the song just sticks with me, so I'm sticking it there today. My, I could change tomorrow to something else, but who knows? And number one for me is Disciples of the Watch, which is a song that I totally, totally love. Okay, uh, Jim, then. Okay, well, my number 10 for me 
starts off with burnt offerings from the legacy love that song number nine i think we had a couple there kenneth that were the same but different positioning disciples of the watch from the new order mm -hmm. my number nine awesome song number eight i went with greenhouse effect from practice Number seven, Murky Waters from Demonic. I love that album. And a lot of people, I, I think I posted it on my Facebook, and everybody just hated it. I absolutely love that album. Uh, number six, Dog Face Gods from Low. That's my favorite song. That's a great, great uh, album as well. Uh, number five, uh, you know, Night of the Witch from Titans of Creation. So another wicked track. Number four, Native Blood from Dark Roots of the Earth. I love that. That's another great song. Um, number three, Afterlife from Formation. I, just as I, as I hone into my top two here, number two, Blessed in Contempt from Practice. And my number one, which is one of my favorite thrash songs of all time, next to Blessed in Contempt is Over the Wall from, you know, it, it's just yeah. an amazing, amazing song. Love that song. And Billy, your top 10? Yeah, so uh, top 10 is tough for Testament because, you know, as we've talked about, so many great albums and very consistent. But I, I guess for me, it just comes down to, you know, songs I've spent the most time with. Uh, you know, there, there's definitely a nostalgia factor for when I discovered the band. There's no doubt about that. And then just songs I absolutely love hearing Testament play live. Um so and some of these don't are not as played as often as others but uh so number 10 for me uh sins of omission uh so we just uh talked about that from uh practice album uh then i'm rolling into uh, some of the uh, death metal period uh so dnr do not resuscitate uh, from the gathering love that track and that's a killer live uh, song I've, I've heard it many times uh played at a testament show uh, number nine, uh, number eight, uh, Dog Face Gods, uh, from Low, uh, great, uh, great track again in the uh, the death metal style. Uh, number seven, Blessed in Contempt from Practice What You Preach. Uh, we just talked about that. Into the Pit, The New Order, uh, Practice What You Preach. Uh, number five, number four, Trial by Fire, uh, from The New Order. Uh, time is coming, number three uh, from practice. Uh, number two, I don't think anyone's mentioned this one yet, The Preacher. Um, just love that song, and it's killer when it's played live. Um, and then number one, uh, I think I might have uh, be in line with Ken here, but uh, my absolute favorite uh, Testament song, my absolute favorite Testament live song, Disciples of the Watch. Well, too, uh, because I just, I just, I uh, made my top ten list not shortly before we started this, <laughs> or I finished it off. That is, and Disciples of the Watch and Rise Up were two that I was going to include, and I just didn't. And the Preacher was another one. So you guys mentioned three of those, and I can't believe I don't have Dog Face Gods. We can't match that on all four. I like that song, but it didn't make my list. But anyway, <laughs> number ten, I got Day in the Death from Dark Roots. Number nine, I got True Believer from The Gathering. Uh, number eight is I got Return to Serenity, which is a ballad. That's a ballad I was talking about from The Ritual, which I don't think anybody else mentioned The Ritual. Did they at all? I don't think. I didn't know. 
Because yeah. I like that album a lot too. I forgot to mention that when I was mentioning the things. But anyway, number seven, I got Hail Mary from Low. Number six, I have Agony, which is also from The Ritual. Number five, I have The Haunting from Legacy. Number four, I have Nates of Blood from Dark Roots. Number three, I have All I Could Bleed from Low. Number two, I have Alone in the Dark from The Legacy. And of course, my number one testament song since I run the metal pit is, of course, called Into the Pit. <laughs> it's my favorite testament song. I might, I might even extol the name from that. Maybe when I did discovered the name, the metal pit, it was like, hey, I like Into the Pit. I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> okay, I forgot to men- ask this about Billy mentioned about seeing them live like 35 times, and I forgot to do the thing of talking about seeing them live. So, Billy, I'll go back to you. Is there a favorite performance you've seen them do it live? Like, of them? Uh, yeah, it's tough. I'll probably just go back to the first one, just uh, left just such a big impression. Uh, I mean, Testament always puts on a good show. They, they don't always put on a good meet and greet, but they always put on a, an amazing show. Uh, and, and just, you know, watching them since 1989 to as recent as, you know, uh, three times on the tour last year. Uh, like I've never walk away disappointed with them. So I'll just go with the first because, you know, it's the first time I heard them. But, uh, you know, kudos that, that they always deliver uh, a consistently good uh, concert. And uh, Jim, you said you've seen them twice. Yeah, I saw them twice. I mean, uh, saw them, I, I'm pretty sure it would have been after Formation of Damnation. And I believe they opened, they were, they took, I think, Machine Head spot because they had, I don't know, one of them couldn't tour. Somebody, I think Machine Head couldn't tour for some reason. And they played the seasons here in Halifax. They played uh, with the Slayer and Megadeth co-headlining for the 30th anniversary shows of seasons and Rust in Peace. So it was it was pretty cool starting them off. They didn't play very long. I think they only played like eight songs. But it was, I mean, they, they absolutely got, got the fans going and it was wicked. It was a great substitution in my mind. Really loved seeing them. And I saw them again after 2010, I believe. Again, I believe with Slayer. The last time I saw Slayer, they had opened. And I think maybe Suicide Silence was there as well, if I can remember right. And uh, Kenneth, have you seen them live before? Yeah, I've seen them about four or five times. Um, The last time I saw them was with um, Anthrax and uh, Death Angel. That was a really good show in Toronto. I I love that show. And they were... um, they were doing at the time dark roots of the earth so that tour cycle was fantastic it was a great show uh, that was the one that i really really liked um i did also see them when i guess this is before um mike Hanneman had passed away from the slayer his before he before he died of his um of the alcoholism so i seen that show with megadeth testament and and um and and um blah, blah, blah. Slayer, right. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that was a really, really good show, too. So, yeah, every time I've seen them live, uh, I've never been disappointed. No, I, I've seen them a few times. I can't remember the number, but <laughs> but I was at the, the one you just mentioned in Toronto with Death Angel and Anthrax. I was at that one. And then I seen them also with Death Angel. And I think Overkill was supposed to be there, but for some reason, Overkill couldn't come. Now, I can't remember if that was after the other one or before the other one i can't remember but 
And I kind of think I seen them also with Slayer at one point too, but yes, they're always great live when I've seen them the few times that I've seen them, but yes, they're always great live. Okay. So I guess we're done. Anybody want to add anything about this album or Testament or anything? No, it's a great album. Go out and buy it if you don't own it, which I'm sure most metalheads have it, but if you don't have it, buy it, buy it. Yes. And they should be in the big four. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks everybody. Uh, thanks all you guys. I mean, for joining me tonight. And thanks everybody for listening. So we're going to say goodbye. So make sure you check us out again at themetalpit.org for everything we got there for you to check out. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye.